0: radio network and now chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher I'd like to take this opportunity to remind city managers and whoever is in charge of stoplights in your local area wherever you're at we know that gas prices are at an all-time high well at least in the last within the last seven years. And we also know that AAA is already saying that they're going to increase 10 to 20 cents through the end of August from the current national average of $3.13 a gallon. So that makes me wonder why cities, in particular the ones that I drive through at 4.33 a.m. in the morning, allow lights to be red and have multiple cars sitting in the road, idling, wasting expensive gas with no cars crossing those intersections. It is unbelievable to me. There are multiple lights on a particular drive that I take, and I'm sure it happens all over America because I know that this is a way for them to enhance their revenue because people are going to run the red light. And how do I know this? Because there's one light that I ready, I ready my accelerator to run this light. But I know in that neck of the woods, there's a police officer just waiting for me to run that light so he can give me a ticket. And I was most particularly right this morning because there he sat with his lights off, just up the road aways waiting for someone to run that light instead of why aren't these lights blinking caution and blinking red it's 4:33 a.m in the morning it's a crime for these lights to have a dozen cars a dozen cars stopped at this light idling wasting gas and there's not one car coming through the intersection. It is embarrassing. And what happens, I know, that cars do come up out of these neighborhoods and they come up and they stop and there's no traffic and they make a right, but it signals the light to turn. And instead of just turn quick and back to the main road, it runs full cycle. It makes no sense whatsoever to have a light run full cycle in the middle of the night all it's doing is wasting people's money so I just wanted to take this opportunity to please please city managers across America in fact around the world while we're at it listening to chewing the fat how about you fix the issue with your roadway lights At least from, let's say, 11 p.m. to 6 a.m.? How about just, i tell you what, 11 p.m. to 5 a.m., the main roads in your cities turn to blinking red and blinking caution on the main road so that everybody knows the lights are still there and they have to come up and stop on the side road and they're able to go and they continue but cautiously through that intersection on the main road okay okay then let's take care of that shall we welcome welcome to chewing the fat See, Elsa has made landfall in the armpit of Florida not a bad thing it's just when you look at Florida it's you know the armpit of Florida Taylor County and it's uh, racing across the uh, northeast as we speak so uh, nice of Elsa to join us it uh, never did it strengthened to a hurricane yesterday and then it went back down to a tropical storm. Because it just kept you know brushing up against the coast of Florida and it wasn't going to gain much strength. And I see where, even though there was a tropical storm slash hurricane going on, the National Hockey League said, yeah, we're still going to play the game tomorrow. Yeah, there's probably uh, zero chance of uh, postponing the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the Stanley Cup. And uh, the storm's going to be long gone. And we're going to go ahead and play the game. Sure, there's a couple of things that we've got scheduled outside around the arena. We'll cancel those. But uh, we're still going to play the game. I tell you what, I believe that, I'll bet you you that some of those outside events happen now. Because the storms passed. Didn't look like there was a whole lot of damage. I mean, uh, you know, it's a tropical storm slash hurricane, a lot of rain. And by this evening if you're listening live on the 7th of july 2021 by this evening i'm guessing that a lot of that flooding will have gone down and people will be headed to the arena for the championship game because the lightning are up three games to two and they could win at home and so it'll be exciting in tampa bay when the lightning bring home back-to-back championships, I know, I know. I'm looking forward to it. So yesterday we talked a little bit about uh, well, we talked about Elsa as well, which is why I was bringing it up. But we talked about uh, Jeff Bezos and his last days at uh, Amazon, and of course he's got his new title, you know, executive chairman, whatever. I mean, he's, he's still, you know, he's going to have an office and he's going to have you know, come to a couple of meetings every now and then. But that's, you know, that will will be his involvement. However, in the story, it talked about his 10,000-year clock. And I still, I just, just, I'm like, what? A 10,000-year clock yet? The clock of the long now. All right, so it's going to tell time for the next 10,000 years. It's cost $42 million to build so far. And they're still spending money. The huge mechanical clock ticks once per year, chimes once per millennium, and it's being built by Jeff Bezos and his millionaire scientist friend Danny Hillis and along with Xander Rose and the whole clock team. It's 500 feet tall, all mechanical, powered by day-night thermal cycles, synchronized at solar noon a symbol for long-term thinking the 10,000 year clock well that's why it's called the clock of the long now and I'm like wait what is the clock of the long now so the long now foundation was established in 1996 to foster long-term thinking and responsibility in the framework of the next 10,000 years. Okay. I'm, I'm willing to bet that Mr. Bezos has given uh, quite a bit of money to the longnow.org foundation. Guaranteed. But now he's building a clock, the clock of the long now. I mean, it's out in the middle of West Texas. I mean, way out in the middle of nowhere, He's bought Jeff bought property out there. I'm sorry, Mr. Bezos bought, bought property out there. And when they explain where it's at, they talk about the nearest airport is several hours away by car. So it's way the heck out there in West Texas. It, uh, according to this, visiting the clock is going to take some commitment. The nearest airport several hours away by car, the foot trail to the clock is rugged rising almost 2000 feet above the valley floor. So you're going to have to make a small commitment to get there. They've been building this clock since 2018 and there's no end in sight. So it's going to take, you know, I don't know if it, you know, maybe it will take another 10,000 years to build this thing. I doubt it. Uh so and I don't know that it's ever going to be an actual, you know, monument to go and visit. Out in West Texas, although it would be kind of cool to go and look at a clock that does nothing except wait for, you know, the millennium to chime and it's going to, you know, tick once per year. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to know when it's going to tick so maybe we can all go out there and just hang out. And we be part of the Long Now Foundation and just stand around. And here it comes. Here it comes. Okay, come back in another 10,000 years. And I don't know if it's going to sound like that. I mean, it may be... Or... I mean, that sounds more like the 10,000-year clock, the clock of the long now. Okay, come back in 10,000 years. Uh, maybe a cowbell? I don't know. Nah, that's no good. Oh, maybe the... <laughs> no, I think it's going to be this one. Yeah. I think that's it. All right, here we go. We're out here at the clock of the log now, and it's going to tick. Right now, it ticks once a year. Here we go. Here comes the yearly tick. Okay. See you in another year. Take care. See you in 9,999 years when it's going to uh you know chime oh yeah that's the chime wait that's the 10,000 year one so it only it ticks (laughs) it ticks once a year what am i thinking it actually may be yeah that might it may actually be that once a year and then 10,000 years i don't know doesn't seem worth it really but what do you you know what are you going to do he's got 200 billion dollars let the man do what he wants you know let there be no doubt big tech and the far left have joined forces to purge america of conservative views really of any views that they don't like we see it all the time with social media accounts they've just decided that what you say we don't like so you're gone why exactly are we choosing to give these big tech companies all of our personal data? That's a good question because the battle lines have been drawn and big tech has made it clear which side they're on. Now is the time to take a stance. Protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN I trust for my online protection, Express VPN. See every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop, or TV has a unique string of numbers called an ip address you probably already know that but when you search for stuff watch videos or even click a link the big tech companies use that ip to track all of your activity and tie it back to you when i use expressvpn or you start to use expressvpn the connection gets rerouted through their secure encrypted servers so these companies can't see your ip address My internet activity, and then your activity, once you get ExpressVPN, becomes anonymized and the data is encrypted. The best part is you don't need to be tech savvy at all to use ExpressVPN. Just download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, and you're protected. I've told you before, I love the feeling when ExpressVPN pops up and I click it and it's locked in. It is a tremendous feeling. I'm like, na, na 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 boo boo my ExpressVPN is on. You can't track me. So stop handing over your data to big tech companies whose aim is to censor you and spy on you. Defend your rights and protect your internet activity with the VPN I use every day. Visit expressvpn.com slash jeffy expressvpn.com slash jeffy e-x-p-r-e-s-s slash j-e-f-f-y you're going to get three extra months free when you go to expressvpn.com slash jeffy go to expressvpn.com slash jeffy right now to learn more So before we go to the break room, I just want to, this story's been kind of bugging me. This is how you keep the mafia in business. And and, and I mean this. So convenience store owners in Washington, D.C. are all wound up. They've been fighting against the city council and the mayor who want to ban flavored tobacco products. Uh, Their their argument is that it's going to further hurt their business while doing little to drive down tobacco use. Uh yeah, so Washington D.C. the city council voted eight to five to approve a bill that bans tobacco products, flavored tobacco products, including those containing menthol. And the great mayor, uh, Muriel Bowser, is expected to sign the bill into law. Now, one of the store owners said that they're taking out essentially forty percent of my business. Uh yeah. This person owns three gas stations and convenience stores in the area. Uh if I don't sell it, I'll just lose business to the suburbs. Yeah. One owner said we haven't fully recovered from pre pandemic levels, and with the ban, we'll never fully recover. The ban is going to affect more than just the sale of tobacco, duh. People when you smoke you go to places and you stop in and you get your gas and you buy a pack of smokes or a couple of packs of smokes and you maybe pick up a soda, you get a coffee, you get something to eat, a sandwich, whatever. And then you're gone. Right. But if you don't have an opportunity and I've known this since I stopped smoking, uh, you know, the places that I used to go to get cigarettes and get gas, I don't go there anymore. That's not their fault. It's just that I don't smoke, so I go to other places that are a little bit more convenient. But I don't care about prices on cigarettes because I don't buy them yet. I could fire up one right now. I'm just fire up a cigarette right now. But I'm not going to, so just leave me alone. Um, it'd be nice, though, <laughs> oh, man. It would be really, really nice. Just a brand new fresh lighter, fresh pack of cigarettes, fire that bad boy up and just man, I know it wouldn't be as good as I think it would be, but it'd still be pretty darn good. Anyway, uh, I know you don't go there. So that's what this guy is saying. If they're banning it, people aren't going to go there. They're just going to go somewhere else, which by the way is just across the border. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, they're going to go just across the border to Maryland and Virginia where they can get the menthol cigarettes. And while we're there, we'll go ahead and get my gas and my sandwich and my sodas at that particular convenience store. According to the one store, the gas volume has dropped by nearly a third when, it, when the $5 per pack tax the city government imposed on cigarettes in October of 2018. So they're already, they're already having their convenience stores take a hit with the $5 a pack tax. Holy cow, I didn't even know that. A $5 a pack tax by the city government. Wow, and he's losing a third of his business. Yeah, because they're going to Maryland and Virginia. Wow. So they're just trying to put these people out of business. And obviously, that's not their uh, goal outwardly, but they know it's going to kill these people's businesses. Plus, uh, illegal sales are going to go up. Uh, and they have gone up since the $5 tax went into effect. And that's what I mean. We're just setting up for the, the mafia to come in and not only sell cigarettes, but you go in, and, and for anyone, you could go across to Virginia or Maryland and buy cheaper cigarettes and bring them back into Washington, D.C. Isn't that what Eric Garner got into trouble for in New York, by the way? Uh, when the police, uh, I'm sorry, when he died after the police officer put him in a chokehold because he was selling illegal cigarettes? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. So anyway, just really, really, really weird. And I don't understand why they want to put these businesses uh out of business but they do and they hurt themselves in the long run they don't see the big picture and it's really 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 frustrating all right let's go to the break room i need something cold to drink desperately <laughs> I mean, we're in the break room, so I'd like to say hello to Iceland. Uh, hello to the Chewing the Fat listeners in Iceland. Uh, in June last month, 86% of Iceland's working population, you're on a path to working a four-day work weeks with no reduction in pay. Nice. I want to pat you on the back. It gives you more time to listen to chewing, and that's a good idea. So... It, uh, I guess we have now we have to could be concerned with that's what we're going to start doing is having four-day work weeks. Uh, as long as there's no reduction in pay, why wouldn't you want to do that? And if it doesn't hurt your productivity, right? So they did a recent study that tracked 2,500 employees who work, whose work week was shortened to 35 to 36 hours over five days. And they found that a four-day week with the same pay improved workers' well-being and productivity. Right. And plus, if I'm working four days a week, I can still put in the 10 hours or the eight, nine hours a day, right, Uh, and do the work. And knowing that I've got three days coming up, that's that's a good deal that's a really good deal and you know we had we came out of the pandemic with so many people working from home there's so many companies now that are trying to experiment with how they're gonna how they're gonna come back with workers how much time the workers are gonna spend at the actual place uh how much time they have to spend at home what type of meetings they're gonna have so we'll see how that works out uh but right now i'm a fan of you iceland thank you thank you for listening to chewing the fat and thank you for being the brainchild of the four-day work week i know i know and as soon as the you know we have this overwhelming success in iceland yeah uh the four-day work week is gonna have traction around the world so you guys are on the forefront of that also did you see that um uh, rupert murdoch is planning to launch fox weather 24-hour weather streaming channel not a bad idea this should have already happened a long time ago fox weather i mean the weather channel according to this their audience grew seven percent this past year look the weather channel people watch because of i don't know there's a thing called the weather and we all want to know it especially when there's storms it's storm season the i mean the that's why everybody has Operation Stormwatch, Fox Weather. So when there's storms, you want to know it. And that's what local radio is all about. But when you're stuck at home uh, during these storms, a lot of times unless you've been evacuated you want to know and if you're not in the area of the storm you want to be able to be updated you want to be able to see wow those people got it really bad there man it sucks to be them doesn't it <laughs> uh, well, i wanna watch the weather channel plus the weather channel has come up with some really cool graphics and how they've handled their storms and they've got some uh, you know front running meteorologists that uh people have become fans of around the country right i mean the joke of what's his face Cantori. if he shows up in your neighborhood you should have been gone yesterday (laughs) i mean that's a fact so i don't know it might might be it might be good i'd like to say that i wouldn't mind being the the voice of fox weather so rupert give me a call here at chewing the fat i'm happy to be the voice of fox weather 24 hour weather Keeping you safe when you don't feel safe. No, we want you to feel safe with our Fox Weather. Yeah, whatever they whatever they want me to say, I'll say it. The tough thing about Fox Weather or the Weather Channel is that's a 24-hour, 7-days-a-week operation. Now, really, for the Weather Channel, they don't give you... Uh, you know their their storm coverage is separate from their regular programming and their regular programming you know at least during the middle of the night at different times they have different you know different stories and different reports but when there's big storms going on no matter where in the country uh they're on it uh 24 7 so i love that and they're not working four-day work weeks at fox weather or the weather channel so good luck to rupert for launching this uh may or may not work i think it's late to the to the party but you know you never know what do i know rupert murdoch what has he done So a while ago, we talked a little bit about uh, birds aren't real. And I wanted to, and I had the, the question in my mind, wait, what? And so I wanted to talk to the man himself, Peter McAdoo. How in the world are you? Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Birds aren't real. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to, uh, to sharing our, our truth here.
0: Absolutely. So you're on the road now and, uh, you know, you're promoting it. Obviously people can go to the website birdsarntreal.com and get all the information that they need. Uh, you were just coming off of, at the time of this interview, the uh, Independence Day weekend and you had a big gathering in St. Louis, Missouri. How did that go?
1: It went excellent. We had over 250 bird truthers come out uh, to march the streets nice. of, of St. Louis, which with, with us, which was a really beautiful event. Seeing everyone come together like that, we're in the process of holding these rallies city by city, and that was our our second one of the summer so far. It just seems to be uh, gathering more and more people as as we go so far.
0: Where, what's next? What What's next on the agenda for the uh, birds aren't real? tour stop
1: so we're, we're looking at oklahoma as our next stop sort of making a circle around the south right now uh, we've hit springfield missouri and st louis so next stops i think will be tulsa and Oklahoma City uh, before heading into Texas, which will be a big, a big, a big part of the tour.
0: Nice. Well, I, I'd like that. May show up for that. I mean, if you're going to be in the DFW area, that's where we're at, man. I'd like to have that. Uh, I'd like to see uh, see it in action. So, what do you say? You know, uh, what do you say to the people that say, "Peter, come on, man, birds are real. You know they're real. You're just pulling our feathers, telling us that birds aren't real." Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, that's, as you can imagine, something I hear a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a common conversation for me yeah, and man. you know, I used to be angry about that. Um, and be kind of get upset whenever someone, right. um, cause you know, what's a bit, what's a bigger insult to somebody than calling imp- them a liar. Yeah. Implying that they're a liar or, they're, or yeah. that there's some kind of joke or a clown or something um so it used to it used to annoy me but i um have gotten to the point where i just have compassion and empathy there was a long time in my life where i was too kind of blinded and lost um to the truth and was just very inundated in a world of uh pro- pro- of propaganda and uh was very kind of just brainwashed by, by this right. preferred agenda that we hear so often in the media <laughs> And in pop culture, um, you know, people trying to really just shove this, um, shove this, you know, kind of bird messaging in your face, whether it's the Twitter logo or the national mascot or the state birds or, you know, multiple sports teams mascots. Um, so, I mean, I get it. I get that there's a lot of people that believe that birds are real. I was one of them once. Um, so, um, to the people that, you know, say, I'm a liar or a joke or something. I often just take a step back um, and try to empathize with their perspective, you know, and that this is something that's very. Okay. Abnormal, yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: So yeah. on top of which uh, really nobody, if they, if they, if they're confronting you mm-hmm. um, getting angry back at them, isn't going to convince them right. that, that birds are not real. Right. I mean, so the, the better focus is to, have examples ready for them and hopefully bring them over right to bring yep. them over to the feather side yes. and uh or i mean bird side or whatever side is saying that birds aren't real so mm-hmm. i know that you're uh getting ready to uh do uh a uh, birds aren't real kind of ted talk a bird talk um give me a brief one here on chewing the fat just uh like a you know a couple of minute uh couple of minute version of the uh, of the bird talk to me bring me over bring me over
1: okay um well you know let's see i think that it really goes down to how you jeff how how you define truth in your life okay um, how you define what is what is reality and what separates truth from lie truth from untruth. And, um, you know, if we can get on the same page there to begin with, then at least we know kind of what, 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 what language we're speaking here. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays define truth by, uh, their sources. I think truth is largely a faith game in the, in the modern day where I have my sources and, um, I have faith in them and then other people have their sources, um, and they have faith in them, you know, uh, you know, other yeah, people, that's for sure. other people, you know, and it really is a faith game. It's that okay. Sure is. You know, no, we,
0: do we, we have to have, uh, our, our own faith in our own independent fact checkers. No doubt about that. You it, know? It,
1: exactly. Um, so, you know, I know that a lot of people, you know, growing up, they're born into the world and they're told, Hey, birds are real. This, you know, it's kind of the first thing that they're said. And there's a lot of societies, um, throughout history where there's been something told, uh, to the, to the culture and the group of, of, of people that then as history progress, or as time pro- progresses, history kind of sheds a different light upon that truth that these people believed, you know, that there was, you know, that, um, for instance, you know, thunderstorms were, you know, the gods mad at them or something. Right. There's, there's different things that different societies believe. Um, and, um, that then historically you look back and say, wow, you know, they just, that was just the world they were in. You right.
0: know? They the believed it because there. that's the world they were in. Right.
1: So I think that's where we're at. Um, right. with, with the, with the bird problem in the world that we're living in right now, where okay. we're in, we're in America and, um, you know, everyone is born into this world is taught in schools that birds are real. They're flying in the sky and, uh, no one's ever taught to question that or maybe ask why, you know, why may, you know, why are, why are birds all around me all the time? Um, why have I never been taught that there may be another side of this argument, um, that maybe, uh, you know that these that these birds are not in fact living things. You know, uh, what if there's there's a possibility that the government has something to do with this, and maybe it's exactly what the government wants. Um, is that no one's asking questions about that? You know, so, I
0: think- okay, so I was cutting you off from your bird talk. I'm sorry, just for a moment. But what do you say to the let's say the people that you know? I not long ago had a bird, mm-hmm. real or not. Uh, fly up under my overhang of my back porch where a ceiling fan is and put together a nest and all of a sudden uh, uh, there some sort of new bird hatched. I don't know if it hatched or how it arrived there, but there were little baby birds there. Um, You're saying that those aren't real. Not some birds aren't real but all of the birds that i see aren't real is that right yes
1: i'm saying that every every single one of the 12 billion estimated birds in the united states are are artificial surveillance drones built okay. to be in, indistinguishable from a real bird um, you know and that's obviously a bold claim you know that's not uh-huh. a lot of people are caught up in these very socio normative <laughs> paths of thought you know um they'll just listen to anything that they're told on tv or on twitter or the media you know oh birds are so real and um you know they're they're you know they're so cute and cuddly and they're not surveillance drones watching me um and you know what I, what what i say to that is that i don't know if you know the history of birds aren't real um, or of our movement, or what what we talk about? Do you know
0: anything? Not, not, very little. Very little. A little about what I read uh, this past week, uh, you know, to talk to you. So uh, let me have it. Let me have it. So, uh, bring me. Bring me to the dark side, to the bird side. But yeah, Peter McAdoo, Um
1: So when the government started killing off the birds systemically, it was in 1959. So okay. um, this was little more than a decade after the end of World War II and the, the U.S. government was looking for different ways to increase surveillance on communist activities in America uh, to make sure things didn't get out, out of control here. It was largely told uh, to people within the, the highest ranks of the government that, you know, this is the safety of the people, you know, that, you know, we we need to surveil, um, you know, these people to make sure that nothing okay. happens under our watch in our own country. So they were experimenting with some different ways to do this and eventually landed upon um, we have these birds everywhere all the time. And eventually it started off um, in a way kind of smart, admittedly. They were realizing that birds very high up in the sky um, to the naked eye are really just specks um up in the air, very high up. You can't really make <laughs> out feathers. It's just kind of a speck and has a slight shape of a bird. So their initial plan was, okay, let's make a – um, you know, a, a, a robotic flying, uh, sort of like a small plane that looks like okay. uh, a, a bird from the ground, but that has a camera in it so that then, you know, people wouldn't know, um, from, from the ground, but they are being watched, um, from very oh, high whoa. up with a okay. zoom, with a zooming camera. So it started off there and then they started realizing that they could have, um, the most advanced, thorough surveillance network ever um that 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 is before cell phones were in, introduced
0: well our technology got better in, know, it, absolutely.
1: in the 20th century so if you think about how they are using cell phones and laptops and how the nsa is using all of this and probably watching our conversation right now uh maybe if we can extrapolate from that and think okay so that's what they would have done had the internet existed in the in the 60s and 50s Um, what's a different way that they could get an equal level? It's clear that the goal is thorough surveillance of citizens, right? It's clear that the goal is that the government wants to have tabs on what you're doing, on what I'm doing, um, on what everyone's doing all the time. But, but, but 50 years before the internet, they had to find a different way to do this. So they saw that birds are everywhere. They see that, that they are. Everyone that no one's questioning when a bird's nearby, you know, if you're having a private conversation <laughs> and then, and then, you know, a little blackbird lands on the gate next to you, you're not going to be concerned as concerned about that as if there were a man with a camera, um, watching there, right? So that began in 1959, a whole system of the government, um, killing off, uh, real organic birds, um, with a with, with with a weaponized virus actually that was sprayed from crop duster planes there was a drought happening in the in 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 the US in the late 50s and so the uh, the excuse that they told the pilots in the crop duster planes were, you know we need to water the country um we need to um you know have we need, we need to we need to fight against this drought so internally within the CIA the killing of the birds was known as operation water the country um it was um, done by okay. Alan, Alan Doulis at the, at the CIA was the director of the time. And, um, slowly this virus spread across the, the species. And as the birds, you know, if this is a video, on know if this is a podcast or a video, but as the number of birds went down, they were starting to instill the, ar- ar- the artificial birds at the same time. So it was kind of okay. this kind of point where there wouldn't
0: be, um, a noticeable decline or a noticeable yeah. influx of birds. Right. Okay. Yeah,
1: I got you. All right. So, um, as they started it. introducing these birds and killing those off some people, the original members of our movement found out in the late sixties, a lot of people don't know this just because, because of the internet and things like that. people are kind of, a lot of people are just now finding out about the birds on not real movement. Um, But it it has existed um, in some in some level since 1976.
0: So is this just a United States based movement or I mean, I know that, uh, you know, other countries obviously are uh, believers in birds or so there must be a movement outside of this country as well. Yes or no.
1: So we hope so. I mean, that's that that's the thing. I don't speak about anything and I encourage, you know, the other bird truthers like myself to really not speak about anything that we couldn't prove in a court of law, um, you know, show substantial evidence for. Um, so I can't speak about other countries just given that I don't have the evidence for that. I haven't seen okay. it. But what I do know is that countries like China and India have both come out publicly and said that they have surveillance drones designed to look like birds. Any of your listeners can look this up. Um, China specifically has come out and said they have uh, bird drone surveillance. We don't yes. know what level. We don't know if it's yes. like it in, in the States, um, but... You know, while the while the Chinese government can come out and say that, you know, the American government can't. Um, so what what we're seeing there is well, we're already is we're
0: already surveilling the country. I mean, our major cities are you know bombarded with cameras. Uh, Yourself, or, or uh, every uh, corner. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. We're uh, carrying we're carrying surveillance with us everywhere we go. No question.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's why when people, because a lot of people, when they hear my belief system or my friends and group. Um, it's often, and it, it might just be a result of how, you know, divisive this country has become, but a lot of people will just shut it down right away, laugh it off, say it's stupid and crazy. Um, but when you, actually, when you actually get into it and, you know, talk to one of us, you see we're a lot of rational people, um, that simply have different sources than, than y'all might, you know? So
0: we're talking to peter McAdoo on birds aren't real birds aren 't real dot com is the website you can go to for more information and they're of course on tour right now uh around the country so you may or may not have an opportunity to uh see an event live which uh, you know i would uh, i would recommend going to um, i see what what's what's the end game peter what what's the end game you you're making people aware mm-hmm. that uh birds aren 't real so the when i go to uh, when I go through the Wendy's drive-through and the Mexican restaurant is next door, and there's what appears to be hundreds, if not thousands, of of crows and blackbirds flying around, uh, and you're saying that those aren't real; those are surveillance birds, um, figuring out watching me order my my frosty and fries. Um, what's the end game? What are we hoping to achieve by alerting everyone? And what do we hope to achieve once we are alerted? I'm not sure what the end game is.
1: A, that's, a, that's a great question. So, you know, the purpose of our movement right now is to, is to spread awareness, let people know what kind of world that they're living in. If you want any um, change in a true republic or democracy, you need the the voice of the people behind you. You need, oh, no. you need, you need a change in public opinion if you want any real legislation to happen or change and so i mean our end goal is of course a deactivation of all 12 billion bird drones in our skies you know we often say at rallies sort of as a rallying cry you know we will not stop until all 12 billion birds have been deactivated and are falling like rain from the skies um because then hopefully we can start the process of repopulation um when has that
0: process been started
1: it has not been started intentionally solely because we only know of a couple living real organic birds alive um, still in the States. So we know that there are through, through some recent email leaks um, that came out earlier this year in the poultry gate leaks. I don't know if you heard about that. It was reported on by Newsweek and some other publications. There was an email leak that came out um, with some high ranking government officials and Hollywood elites talking about um, talking about the bird drone surveillance uh, topic uh, very intimately um, re- re- revealing interesting information um, and ah. very no- very notably mentioning that there are maybe one or two chickens still alive um, under the Pentagon that, it's okay revealed-
0: that are not that are not the drones right that are that are yes. legitimately uh, chickens.
1: Yes, the thing that's interesting about, um, the elites and the government is it's not just about the surveillance. There's also seems to be some sort of obsession, um, with the, with the avian species. So, um, it's come out through these emails that a lot of high ranking Hollywood elites, um, are what, what are known as ornithophiles. Um, they love, they love birds and they're, uh, they're, uh, they're obsessed with, bird drones they can't get, get get enough of them and so i think that there's a certain level to them we're keeping some of the real birds alive um is, is 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 pleasing to these people some of these elites I mean, it goes from you know the biggest day listers you know of you know ty pennington right. extreme home home makeover um you know a lot of tyo ty cruz um big hip-hop star made the song dynamite um a lot of people like this even the band imagine dragons uh, it's all the all the t- top people in the industry are are a part of this. And when you when you look at these email leaks and the evidence, I mean, it's 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 shocking, frankly. Yeah.
0: Peter McAdoo, Birds Aren't Real. Uh, one one more time. So your next uh, event is in Oklahoma, or at least that's what you're planning on. Right. So we can get more information at Birds dot com. Yep, we will be updating our social media as
1: birds aren't real on on everything. So the official plan will be public soon and hopefully. Right, that-
0: I keep mentioning the website, but you're also, you know, on Twitter for sure, and I'm guessing Facebook and Instagram uh, yeah. with at Birds Aren't Real. So uh how many people now are officially in the Birds Aren't Real movement if there is an official list of any kind?
1: So I mean if we're talking pure social following, you know, pure people that are following on social media is we have well over a million and a half people uh, okay. that are that are that are following that are part of this. We have 500,000 followers on Reddit, 500,000 followers on on TikTok, um, 325,000 followers on on Instagram and then, you know, tens and tens of thousands on Twitter and Facebook. Sure. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if you're counting that there is a, there are a lot of people, you know, this is not um, some fringe. Um, you know, a lot of pe- people in the media like to just immediately debunk something as a conspiracy. Um,
0: mm. or you know, well, it's you know, easy. I, it's easy to dismiss things if you just call it a conspiracy.
1: If you call it a conspiracy, a joke, it's a very easy way to delegitimize about yeah. of somebody's, you know, it, you know, it's very easy to dismiss somebody else's truth by simply calling it a conspiracy <laughs> yes, it or a joke, and then oh, it's de- delegitimize. Don't you don't you shouldn't even listen to them. But it's like, no, we have something very valid to say. So, I mean, you can can find us there our tiktok has been having some trouble it got banned yesterday and reinstated today so who knows if we'll be on there a whole lot longer but what the heck happened man these big tech companies don't don't like um don't like truth you know these big, <laughs> these big tech companies uh if you get out there and say something and that's honestly the biggest you know that's just proof to us that that emboldens us Say, wow, we're getting on here and saying that birds are robots. If that were just a joke or so, or so, or just something that was. Why um, are
0: they, why are they dismissing it?
1: Why are you trying to take us down? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's been issues there. In terms of the inside of the movement, though, going back to your question about numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, cause those are followers of us on social media. I don't know if those are all through the show. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the, uh, a couple generations above me, maybe my dad's age. Um, that have been aware of things like this, uh, since the eighties, um, since, you know, when the uh, movement began in 1976. Um, I know that we have a boots on the ground activism network that's spreading the word about this, um, called the Bird Brigade. I'm in a Bird Brigade member's home right now. Um, who that the numbers for those are, are over 500 people in the states are out putting up flyers for us and, um, you know, we're going to
0: actively working for the movement. Yeah. Actively working for the movement. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's so, fantastic.
1: um, yeah, the numbers are strong and growing every day.
0: That's fantastic. Peter McNew, birds aren't real. You can get all the information at birds, or follow any of the events on uh, all the social media platforms. Thank you for joining me on chewing the fat today. Any, uh, any other breaking news you want to get out today? Or are you good? I would like to leave,
1: uh, people just with a couple things to keep in the back of their minds. If it flies, it spies. Uh, bird watching goes both ways. And uh, don't don't trust the skies. Keep asking why and never believe what they tell you. So that's the only thing I'd like to say. Peter
0: McAdoo on Chewing the Fat. Thank you. Thank you very much. Stream and subscribe to more
1: Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.
0: I mean, I kind of like that. If it flies and spies, birdwatching goes both ways. Don't trust the skies. Keep asking why. Never believe what they tell you. I gotta tell you, Peter McAdoo, I like those lines. So never believe what they tell you. You know, unless it's chewing the fat or my Twitter page at jeffyjfr or my instagram or facebook page jeff fisher radio never believe anything else though don't do that and if it flies it spies